After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Today's guest is June Jones, head coach of the University of Hawaii football team. June has won the Western Athletic Conference Coach of the Year twice in his eight seasons as head coach of the UH football squad. He has also won more games than any other coach in the team's history. In 1999, he turned down a multi-million dollar offer to continue as head coach of the San Diego Chargers for a less salary and a chance to make history with the University of Hawaii. June is founder of the June Jones Foundation, which raises funds for children in need. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, Coach June Jones. Welcome to our show, Coach Jones. All right, good to be here. As head coach of the University of Hawaii, tell us about coaching, about being a coach that ordinary people wouldn't know. Wow, that's a tough one. I, I would say that probably ordinary people don't know the hours that we, we uh, are involved in, in during the season, for example. Um, I, mean, I could tell you for probably 12 years when I was in the National Football League, um, I would go to work at sometimes 5.30 or 6 and not get home till maybe 3 the next uh, morning. So, you know, you had like two or three hours of sleep, and I did that for almost 10 or 12 years. And uh, it still affects me now, even when I came to Hawaii. And I'm don't, well, I work long hours during the season, but not that crazy. And uh, I still, to this day, can only sleep about four hours a day because I, my body, I think, just got used to operating on four hours of sleep. Is that because you love it, or is that because that's just <laughs> demands that it takes? Um, both. I mean, both. I worked with uh, Jerry Glanville at the Houston Oilers and, uh, in Atlanta, and uh, we had a great time, you know, coaching. And, and uh, it was fun to be at work at the same time. It was, it was uh, because you had to, you know, uh, do what you had to do to win, and, <laughs> and that's uh, obviously what it took at that time. So what is the ordinary schedule or life of a coach? I mean, geez, you're going in at 6 and you're coming home at 3 a.m. I thought you meant 3 in the afternoon. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. No, it's, it's uh, well, my normal day, like we're in spring ball uh, right now or during the season. I usually get in the office about sometimes 4.30 or 5 in the morning. And then I'm usually home by maybe 9.30 or so at night during the season. Sometimes I go home earlier uh, if if the team were playing, I know extremely better. I might be home by 7 or so or 7.30, but it's long days still. What are you doing in those time periods? Well, you're doing, you're watching tape, you're doing your, your game planning, uh, studying your opponent, trying to find out what they're doing in specific situations and, and anticipating, you know, what they may do against you. Uh, and, and you kind of work all week to get to that Saturday night and hope you guessed right. So do you take the, the mindset of you're looking at the opponent's tape and trying to <clears throat> react to that, or are you, are you taking the mindset of we just need to be the best that we can be? And, and um, that that's, that's a good question. Both. Really, I've found the most important thing is being more concerned on what you're doing, uh, executing, and uh, perfection, 
and what you do. And that has worked and, and made us one of the top teams in the country for the time that I've been here. When you initially came to the University mm -hmm. of Hawaii, the team had zero wins the previous season, and you were an NFL coach. Uh, why, why would you want to come here and coach? Well, Hawaii has, uh, I always tell all my players that come from the mainland, and I tell anybody that comes here, once you're, once you're here and you're spending any time, uh, you may leave, but you always come back. And uh, Hawaii is a very special place, uh, mainly because of the people and the uh, aloha spirit and the ohana that, that we feel everywhere we go, whether it's be in the locker room or, or recruiting or whatever, you know, out in, in, in talking to people. It's, it's just a real special place. And I always wanted to come back and, and uh, coach at Hawaii. And I knew that one opportunity came my way in 1995, I got a call uh, to know if I was interested in, in the job when Fred Von Oppen got the job. And we were making a playoff run for the Falcons at that time. And it was early December, and I couldn't do that to my kids and my team, you know, in Atlanta to, you know, to get that stirred up with controversy and da-da-da because we wanted to win the last three games to get in the playoffs. And we did make the playoffs, but I had to say no at that time. So I kind of knew that, well, maybe that was my chance, and I missed it, you know, and then when an opportunity came again in 1998, uh, I was head coach of the San Diego Chargers. Uh, they asked me to replace Kevin Gilbride during the season, and we had 12 games left, I think, and I told Bobby Beathard, I said, I'll take the job and finish for you, but I just want one uh, thing. I, I, if the Hawaii job opens, I want the right and the permission to, to, to speak with them about the job. And uh, sure enough, it happened, and and uh, it's a, a whole other story in itself, just that fact. But it happened, and I'm glad that I that I made that decision. What's the pitch, though? I mean, they come to you and say, "Look, coach, we won no games. I mean, come and coach with us." How do you how do you look at something like that? Well, I I look at it as an opportunity. Um, every place I've been in the National Football League, they were dead last when we went there, <laughs> and I, I I had great confidence that we could turn it around. It, was, it wasn't because of any other reason. I mean, not that many things have actually changed since 1998. I mean, I still have basically the same budget. Basically, everything's the same from, the, from back, you know, when I first came here nine, nine years ago. And, uh, but I had confidence in my ability to move the football, and I knew that eventually we would attract the local kids to stay home, and we'd attract more Polynesian kids to want to come back and connect with their culture and, and create a TV interest because of the way we play football. And, and, and obviously that's happened. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Audi sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com. We're back with Coach June Jones. When you're recruiting players and coaches, how do you know that they're good people? Well, I spend, you know, 
time with them uh, when on the recruiting weekend. And I rely a lot on our players. You know, our players host the recruits when they come in. They spend 48 hours with them, and they know who, who's a good guy and who's not a good guy. And they'll, you know, and I ask them. I said, "What do you think of so and so?" And oh, he's the best. He's a great kid. And and then I'll sit down with him. And you know, you you got to take some chances. I've taken some chances and uh, won some of them, and some, took some chances and and on some other kids that haven't panned out. But really, to be quite honest, three of my best players uh, uh, were in jail when we recruited them, and they have been our best players, and they are the best kids that we've had. I mean, a piece of tonight, Samoa. I really took a chance because of his mother. His mother was just the greatest lady I'd ever met, and I knew that there's no way that this kid doesn't have that because I, I knew what, what his mom stood for. She's a very strong Christian lady, and I knew he had that in him to be a good good kid. And uh, sure enough, that's what happened. And then uh, Colt Brennan, I think, has uh, had some trouble, obviously, at Colorado. Uh, nobody, you know, believe. Uh, but but I spent time with him, and I made all the phone calls to all his coaches, everybody, and they all said he's the greatest kid you'll ever be around. And guess what? He is one of the best I've ever had, pro or college, uh, as far as quarterback physically and knowing how to handle everything else, uh, the media, the team, the leadership, everything. And then Devon Best. Devon Best was, we actually saw him in a prison football game. Uh, and uh, and we recruited him, and he made freshman All-American. And he is one of the sweetest spirited kids I've ever been around. And, and uh, you know, you take a chance, you roll dice on some of those guys, and, and, and sure enough, they've panned out, and they've worked good. And they're very, I've noticed they're very appreciative of the second chance that, that we've given them. What's the reason that makes you motivated as a coach to give these guys a second chance? Because some people might just say, it's just really going to bring a negative message to the team and, you know. To well, I think so you have to have success with those kids, you know. I mean, I remember uh, bringing a piece of Tanoi Samoa to, uh, I had to go to the president of the school because he, he was in prison uh, when, when we signed him. And, you know, there, there's a certain trust that he had in me that I was going to do what, you know, what, what I said I'm going to do with the guy. And uh, I'm not going to take a chance on a kid if I don't think he has he can turn it around. I mean, a lot of kids you you know right away that they're they're not going to turn it around. Well, then you're you're going to have a problem. I mean, you're going to have a problem. And uh, you know, I've stood by a lot of a lot of those kind of kids, and it's worked for me. And and if they weren't in that trouble, we wouldn't get them. I mean, they go to UCLA, they go to USC, they go to Notre Dame. I mean. Uh, none of those kids would have gotten here. Pisa Tenoy Samoa was the all-time, the only player in Southern California ever to be named offense and defensive player in his high school year. I mean, no player has ever done that in California. And nobody would touch him after he got in his gang trouble. And, uh, you know, after investigating, uh, Dennis McKnight went up to, uh, to his parole, you know, his, his court hearing and uh, pleaded with the judge to, you know, uh, release him to to us, and it worked. What are you telling these kids, though? I mean, because you know we're parents. <clears throat> we want to make sure that we're raising our children the right way. They do fall down. We want to pick them back up. What are you telling them so that you know and they know? It's like a secret message. This is what I expect of you. And well, stand. it's just that they know what's expected, and it's like when I took over the uh, 
when I took over the football team that day I gave that speech, I told the team exactly what was going to be expected of them, that they had to be on time, that if you miss class or if you miss this, you're going to be allowed uh, a break, and we have a three-strike rule. But, but if, if I decide after that, then you're done. You're not on the team anymore. And so sure enough, after that meeting, I laid out, don't be late for a meeting. Don't be late for practice. I want to know if there's a problem, you call me. I want to, here's my cell number. I don't want to find out through somebody else what, where you are. You tell me why you're not at practice, and then I'll decide if it's a valid reason or not. And that's, you know, what we do. So sure enough, the, the leading rusher on that team was a, a kid named Charles Tharp. And uh, um, I think on an 0 12 team, he'd rushed for over 1,000 yards. He was the top offensive player. And the other kid who turned out to be one of the great kids that I love, and, and uh, Rinda Brooks, who started a, a business here washing uh, windows and has really done very well, um, uh, he was the leading tackler and had ability to play in the National Football League. Well, the first two or three meetings they were late to, so I caught them, and they're no longer on the team. Now, that made a statement to the other 105 guys that what you say and what you do has to be the same. And if it isn't the same, then you cannot lead. You, you, you're compromised yourself. So here I just cut the two best players on an 0-12 football team, and we still won. Team has to be the reason for success. It can, if, if it's not a prerequisite for, for that, if, if it's me before we, You'll never be as good as you can be. And that principle we have been able to uh, instill in our teams. And that's why we've done some pretty unbelievable things. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with Monster so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Coach June Jones. You're no stranger to football because you were the Kodak All-American star quarterback, <coughs> right? Yeah. You know, you now then transition to coaching. How was that transition for you? Did you just model your style after the coaches you had that made you so great as well? That's a good question. Um, I I had my own. Uh, I've done a lot of things. I was a, I was a uh, uh, while I was playing in professional football after the, that year that you're talking about. I uh, owned my own business. I, I sold the satellite televisions, uh, uh, dishes to private homes. I put in probably the first dishes in a private home in Atlanta, Georgia, and I invested all the money I had. I was only making $25,000 a year playing quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons at that time. And I saved up enough to buy and put down payment on 10 satellite dishes. And I didn't know the first thing about uh, satellite television. But I had watched this show, 
1977 called ESPN. And I had seen it because Ted Turner was big in, in Atlanta. He had just started Channel 17, which, which now is CNN and every, everybody else, WTBS. And I remember watching in his studio this sports, a 24-hour sports show. And I was a sports junkie anyway when I was a kid. So I'm watching this. I'm watching Chris Berman. And, I'm, and, it was, and then they'd go off the air, and I'm watching them in between commercials because the cameras were still running. And I said, this is going to be big. And so... I uh, believe it or not, I went and found out that homes out in the country couldn't have cable. And so I said, this is going to be so big. I, I, so I went and bought 10 dishes. I didn't know how to put them in. I didn't know anything about them. I didn't anything. I, and I, ever, I, bought them, I think I bought them the whole package for like $2,100, and I sold them from anywhere from $12,000 to $20,000. And those 10 units, I made more money than I made playing football. And uh, so sure enough... Um, as somebody else was on doing that too, and then it got real competitive. And so I was in it for about a year and a half, two years. And it got real competitive. Uh, all of a sudden, the prices dropped way down because you know the, the twenty one hundred little markup there. But uh, but you know you're going to do what they're going to pay. You know, and so by that time the markup went so down that you'd buy it for twenty one hundred and you'd only sell it for you know twenty eight hundred and. I didn't know, you know, it took me forever to put the things in anyway. So uh, uh, it, I just decided to, that I needed to do something else. So I was in securities. I, I, I was a principal in a securities company. My father had an investment firm, and I sold stocks and bonds and, and different things for, for about six or seven years. But I, I, that sports, I was just a sports junkie, like I said, and I wanted to coach. So I coached in high school for two years in Georgia. And then um, I called Dick Tomey, Jerry Glanville. You asked me about the two coaches. The two coaches that influenced me the most are Jerry Glanville and Mouse Davis, who were on my staff the last two years. And I hired them, and they now were working for me. And, and I think most of the things that I do as a football coach, I kind of stole from them, and uh, uh, they influenced me greatly. What gave you the confidence to make the leap from doing what you were doing in business and then going back into football? Well, I think whenever you, you're, you, you know, and I tell young people this, the, you know, the greatest thing about this country is that you can do anything. I mean, you can be whatever you want to be. But you better be something you have a passion for, okay? And, and like I said, from the time I was, you know, five years old, I wanted to be a professional athlete. I was going to do it in something. I didn't know what it was. I, I shot even par golf when I was 12 years old. I, I was all state in, in football, basketball, and baseball. Uh, and I chose football after realizing that I couldn't run. And I, and I wasn't a power hitter in baseball, so I, I, I wasn't, you know, fast enough to play basketball in the pro. So I decided I got to play football. And, and I was, you know, six foot four and a half. I was uh, 180 pounds and, and I couldn't run, so I couldn't be a wide receiver. I couldn't, so I taught myself how to be a quarterback. And I remember taking a bag of footballs and, and throwing them up against the wall over and over. I painted a circle on a wall. And I remember going up to my grade school, and I, for hour after hour, I'd throw the ball up against that wall and hit that dots that I put up there. And, and I remember my fingers started to bleed, you know, a couple times because I did it so many times. But, but I was going to learn how to play quarterback, and I was like 15 years old at this time. And uh, sure enough, uh, I finally got a chance to play my senior year in high school. And uh, the University of Hawaii and Oregon offered me scholarships in Portland State. I ended up going to Oregon at the time where I backed up Dan Fouts and a guy named Norval Turner who just took the San Diego Chargers job. We were the quarterbacks. And then I transferred to Hawaii 
and uh, at that time they were passing the football and uh, uh, when I got here they became an option team Larry Price became the coach and they wanted a more of a running quarterback and uh, I couldn't run <laughs> so I was here two and a half years never really played and uh, but I, I can't I continue just to work hard you know try to get myself ready all the time to, to in case I did get a chance but uh, um, I transferred back home, and I really was going to quit football, but a guy named Mouse Davis, who we talked about, talked me into coming out one more time. And that year, uh, I set the NCAA record for passing in one season. And, you know, I think back about that, how close I was to quitting and giving up. But I had always had a passion to do that since I was young. And finally I got a chance because all the hard work and not giving up I am sitting here talking to you today because I decided to continue to play football, and it would have been real easy to quit. I mean, I played five years and never got in a game, you know. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Feeling fine, we're staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites, for bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Radio.com. We're back with Coach June Jones. So when did you start the June Jones Foundation? Um, I started that about four years ago, I guess. And um, that has been a, probably one of the more... I, I really have taken a lot of uh, feelings for, for giving that to that foundation. We have, we have uh, about four fundraisers that we do, and we raise a lot of money for underprivileged... Um, not underprivileged, but for, for kids. Hugs uh, is our one of our fundraisers, Ronald McDonald House, Friends of White Charities. And, and seeing when we're giving, raising money and giving it to those foundations is pretty powerful and, and, and really has kind of changed me over the last three or four years. I used to do a lot of those things, but I never focused in... You know, we did the events, you know, and, and, and I was helping them, but, I, but now we're putting them on. And uh, we have a big event, August 20th, uh, warriorquarterbacks.com. You can go on there. It's a, I'm bringing back uh, about 16 quarterbacks, the, the, the six or seven that have played for me, and then, then uh, some from 40 years ago, from Hawaii and connecting the future and the past. We're going to raise money. And it's been really, really fun to see 
people jump on board and people in Hawaii are, are so amazing to me uh, the, they give in so many different ways and, and uh, it's been really really a emotional thing kind of for me the last four or five years with with the foundation going into the office at 430 coming home at 9 930 at night when do you have the time and why do you do it well you do it because I'm hard head like you said <laughs> no. I don't know. You love. I love what I do, and I love the kids. And I, you know, I realize that I've I've made some mistakes uh, in uh, my personal life because of that commitment to do it. You know, my whole life, the team, the co the coaches, the players have all been my family. You know, so uh, it, it doesn't it matter what I was doing. I mean, that, that that's the things I remember, and I tell my players all the time. You know, you you like the Arizona State game. You know, we beat Arizona State last year. I mean, I've already forgotten most of the game you know I mean I, I remember a couple plays but I'll never forget you know seeing Colt Brennan after the game I'll never forget watching uh, you know Devon and and Ikaika and Leonard Peters I mean I'll remember those people you know and that's why you do what you do and and those kids become you know like family for you and and even though I feel you know, like I said, I made some errors in, in my personal life and still do. I'm just like everybody else. You try to, you know, live right and try to be right, but you're going to make mistakes. And, and uh, uh, I have had some sacrifices in that area that, that uh, you know, you wish you wouldn't have to go through. But, you know, you pray about them and correct the, the things wrong and move on, you know. Can you remember a time where you knew that the June Jones Foundation or this other giving back or nonprofit activity made a big impact? Um, oh yes, I, I can. I mean, we're, our first event was a 5K run uh, at Lesmere Comic Stadium and uh, run and walk, and uh, to see the look on uh, the people at Hugs when we gave them the check. I mean, it, that, that was worth it all. I mean, and Hugs does just so many uh, great things for families. Um, in fact, it was one of the first places I'd ri I was riding my motorcycle one day in Kaimaki, and I just happened to see somebody. I stopped and just walked into this house, and it was the uh, where they do their work for uh, for kids that are terminally ill. And uh, I just knew that that what a, what a great service they were doing to the for the families. Uh, basically, they. Uh, you know, it's so traumatic when a child goes through chemotherapy or major uh, medical treatment like that. The, the impact it has on the family and the parents and what their vision was to just be able to help the parents after four months of this treatment go out for dinner at night and they would watch the kids, you know. And they knew what to do because, you know, of all the things. I said, wow. I said, that is, that really touched me. And, uh, so that first event, when I saw the look in Donna's, uh, Donna's eyes, I, uh, that was pretty powerful to me. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.